0: Amen. All right. Hey, grab a seat unless you're a kid heading off with the kids. And if you're an adult and you think you can handle hanging out with the kids, go for that. What's up, Seth? Hey, good to see you. All right. Very good. All right. And kids are obviously welcome to stay up here, too. So it's all good. So, uh, man, Roger, I'm excited about your food truck, bro. You know why I'm excited about your food truck, bro? Because I like food. <laughs> That's uh, very good. All right. All right, very good. We got all kids heading now and uh, let's see. Uh, let me ask you a question guys. how many of y'all are are huggers and snugglers? all right? How many of y'all how many y'all like you know you like that physical touch you like raise your hand up high, man even if it's snuggling with your dog, man, I'm just saying you know? all right so so we have about half the people like that. How many of y'all are are get off me people? How I many y'all like, dude? Do not touch me! All right, let me see those hands again, real quick. Yeah. So today we're gonna find out that that it's appropriate to be both, and not in the way that you think. All right, but there are some people that you know, man, like me. My my um my love language. If you ever read the read the five love language, man, dude, my love language is is physical touch, like hugging, holding hands, all that type stuff, and. Uh, um and so that that's where i'm at but i do know and again you guys also know that since covid kind of things change whatever i think that's over now that putin got never mind i'm just saying um i'm thinking i'm thinking COVID, but anyways the point is 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 what i'm saying is back then man i would be at the door and y'all would come i'd give you a hug and you guys do know nate show what nate here it is nate knows that's my love language nate comes at me and i give him a hug man and uh so I'm open to hugging any y'all. Now there's some of you that I know that you didn't have to raise your hand. If I went to go hug Emily right now, look, she's cringing and that's my daughter, all right? And, and so there's others. Tom, you're not really like one of those physical touch people are. You're like, oh, hey, all right, good. You know, I love you in different ways. And so that's good. and And, and that's great on that whole deal. But learn spiritually in our walk with God. We're going to learn that there's appropriate times for hugging and snuggling. There's some things we're supposed to hug and snuggle and and embrace and love and take in and hold on and not let go. And then there is some other times where we're supposed to say, get off me. All right. So let me, and and today that's what we're going to kind of be looking at primarily. I'm going to get to the title screen because the title, JJ, I know you're working on, the title is, help me out. (laughs) <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. You're like, oh, get off me now. Do it. Say it like you mean it. And again, let me see you know, the hands of those get off me people again. Come on. Yeah, I saw your hand earlier. You were like, you were one of them. You were okay, right? So, so here's what I want. I want y'all to lead us, but everybody, because this is going to be important. If you don't get anything out of this message at the end of the day, I want you to know when you are supposed to say, get off me. Because every one of you are going to have to know when that is, and you're going to have to do it. And it's not going to be with who you think it is. In fact, it's going to be with yourself. It's your old self and your new self. Your new self, man, when that's showing up, you want to embrace it. You want to hold on. You want to hug. But, man, the more we walk down the wrong path, even as believers, the more we encounter our old self and our old self, we're attracted to it. And it, whenever we recognize that our old self is coming into our life, we have to say what? All right. I oh, man. I want y'all to say it like you mean it right now. Like, dude, the nastiest thing in the world has come and wants to give you a hug. And, and I don't even know who that or what that is. It might even be my dog on the boat, because I did see that. When my dog comes on the boat, now you got a nice little old ruby or whatever dude, I got Leah. She's like seven. So she's like midlife, man. Boom. And, and there's some people when my dog Leah comes up and they're sitting down, dude, they're licking, letting Leah lick their face and lick their lips. And right, Barb, we got pictures of you, and Leah making out. I'm just I'm, 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 no, I mean, Barb loves Leah, Leah kicks. Leia, And it's like, and that's cool, man. There's dog people, right? Barb, Barb, another Barb. Are all the dog people named Barb? I'm Just one. But anyways, and then there's other people, as soon as the dog comes on board, they're like, oh, get off me, right? And I'm not going to name those people, Ashley, but uh, <laughs> but uh, again, so, so man, there's going to be times, there's going to be times when our old man shows up and you're going to have to be firm. It's not like, I even tell people with my dog, Lay. I said, you got to set boundaries. She's going to take whatever you give her. She'll be in your lap. She'll be in your face. She'll be whatever it is. You set boundaries. I'm okay with that. You got, God's going to set boundaries for us today with our old man. And we're supposed to, what are we supposed to do with the flesh? We crucify the flesh and crucify. is not like, oh, excuse me, pardon me. You're in my space. No, it's not like, oh, you know, hey, back off a little bit. When you crucify the flesh, you say, get off me. How many of y'all have had an encounter with your old self this week? How many of y'all have had an encounter with your old self this morning? Yeah. How many of y'all are having one with yourself right now? <laughs> because somebody drug you to church. You got that drug problem. Somebody drug you to church. I'm just saying. The like, get off me, old man, because I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I know this is what's going I know that I'm acting wrong. I know that I'm feeling wrong. Get off me. Okay, so one more time. Again, if you go home and somebody says, hey, what's the church about? Get off me. All right. So, so say it like you mean it. One, two, three. Get off me. Good. You're going to have to do that according to scripture in here. So anyways, here's what we're talking about. He says uh, the title is get off me. And we're supposed to eradicate the old man. So let me explain what happens in life. So we're gonna we're gonna just gonna make God this direction because it's the ocean. We're gonna make that God. How many of y'all are okay making the ocean direction God? Yeah, man. I mean, that, yeah, that's the best place to be, right? So there's a one-way path or a two-way path. There is a one path. There is one path, and one way leads to God, and one way leads away from God. There might be some little cul-de-sacs you hang out in and stuff, but the fact is, there's no crossroads, there's nothing. You're either headed towards God, or you're headed away from God. And that's both for unsaved people and saved people in this. Because when we come into this world, we we are as close to maybe God as we can, because we're innocent at that point. But which direction do we head when we come into this world? Hey, Brad, which direction do we head when we're coming in? That way! We head away from God. We are headed away because our children selfish or selfless. Do children care about themselves or care about others? You have to teach them. Hey, how many of y'all had to be taught by your parents how to lie? Or how many of y'all say it came as standard equipment? How about cheating? Oh my goodness, you're working on killing on so many little things like that. It's like, dude, where did he get this from? He got it from you and JJ. I'm just saying, you had to be taught to do the right thing, and what we do is we can conform. It's not inside. Inside, we still want the wrong thing, but we know we're going to get our tails whooped, or we're going to be, get our Legos taken away, or what else is going on? We're going to get something happening. You know, how many of y'all hate when your Legos get taken away? What are you going to do, man? You know, there's got to be consequences but inside, man, we still want to do that wrong thing if it benefits us. In fact, Scripture says that there's none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody that desires God. When you came into this world, your only desire was for yourself. Well, no, I love my mom. Why'd you love your mom? Well, because there was desire for yourself, stuff she needed, you know? And, and, and why'd you love? Because anything you love, and you might have even got religious in some way, shape, or form, but it wasn't to bring glory to God. It was because there was some benefit you saw in it. So the Bible clearly, there is no way around. It says, states that man, we are depraved. We're walking away from God. But if the whole world's walking away from God, then you know what? We find our little niche in this whole group walking away from God. You know, my standard's not here. My standard, you know, here's mine. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. You know, and we're walking away from God. But if at some point you get born again, some point God gives you the desire and ability to see him, to experience him, to believe there's some higher power. In fact, in R- Romans chapter one, he says that he's going to tell, show everyone that there is somebody bigger than them. Even you go watch, I many of y'all seen the sunrise before and you're like, oh God. Man, I saw y'all posting sunset pictures last night, and you're like, oh, look what God did. I mean, we see him in creation. We see him in everything, so we know there's somebody bigger, but you have a choice at that point. You can pursue that, or you can blow it off. Pursuing it is saying, God, I want to know more about you. God, if you can make a sunset like that, you can make a sunrise like it. God, if you can orchestrate this, you can do this. God, I am pursuing you. And and there and as you pursue him, he gives you desires to pursue him, and you become born again. And when you're born again, your whole desire is to head towards him. You keep heading towards him. But if you harden your heart, if you decide, all right, all right, yeah, that's cool, but I still want to do my own thing. I'm gonna keep going. You keep going down that path away from him. And as you harden your heart, sometimes you think, oh man. You know what? My heart's soft towards him now. You know what? I'm gonna go do my own thing. It, it'll be soft again. I'll choose him when I want to choose him. But you know what? That's not what he said. In, in John chapter three, when he was talking to Nicodemus about being born again, he said, no, the desire to follow him and believe in him is like the wind. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. Hey, this wind, when did it all start? You guys know? You can give me a date, but how many of y'all knew exactly the exact time? And how many of y'all know exactly when it's gonna end? You don't. We know thereabouts. And so sometimes as lost people, you think that, man, I-, I can give my life to him anytime, but it's only when he's softening your heart. When your heart gets hard, it, it, the seed can't be planted in it. And the heart gets hard when you reject him softening it. You come into the squirrel with a hard heart. And if you reject when he softens it, it gets harder and harder and there may not be another shot, but if you do give your life to him, you are now walking towards him. Anybody know, remember when you gave your life to Christ, you went, you start, had different desires, right? How many of y'all had different desires? Yeah. Uh, if, if I, when he called me to preach, I was joking, Was this Brother Ed's Bible revival hour, you know, and he changed my desire. And I'm like thinking, man, this is, I'm going to be in church. You know, if, before I was saved, if you told me I'd be in church and Bible studies every night, I'd say, man, what is this, hell on earth? But once I gave my life to him, dude, I'd rather be nowhere else than with you and with, and with you guys on Wednesday nights and on Monday nights because I love the word of God. I love being with God's people. I love when God's speaking and giving me direction. In fact, I'm feeling kind of vulnerable when I don't have it. And I'm out there on my own dangling around on a hook in the middle of the ocean as a bloody piece of meat just waiting for the next shark to come take a bite. But man, when I'm with God, dude, I got a cage (laughs) or he just keeps the sharks away. I'm just saying the bottom line is, man, there's confidence. I love being with God's people. I love being in his word. I love having his direction as long as I'm walking towards him. But as a believer, do we have the choice to walk in a different direction? Yeah. In fact, the world we're going to see in Scripture today has no choice but to walk in this direction. This is the only direction the world has. We have more choice than anyone. We can walk towards God and become closer, or we can walk the other way. And what we're going to see today, especially in the first part, when you turn away from God as a believer, forever how long? It might be for a minute. It might be for a month. I don't know but when you turn and you are walking the wrong direction what you're going to find is you're going to find your old self. And so here's what happens at salvation guys, all right? So you're you're born you're you're born this person walking away from God. When you give your life to God, what does God do with your old man? What does he do? What does he do with you? He what is he coming out? He he kills it. He says, it's gone. Your old self, he says, when you get born again, he said, you become a what kind of creation? And all things have passed away. They're gone. When you look at scripture, your old self is dead. Literally, it is dead. You are a brand new heaven bound believer equipped for heaven. Only you're in this flesh. It's one, one pastor put it this way. He said, when you get born again, you come to this world in a pig body. How many of y'all came in a pig body like to wallow in the mud? Gary, did you come in a pig body like to wallow in the mud? Did you ever wallow in the mud? The mud of this world, man. But there's diseases. And, and there. But it felt so good to wallow in the mud, didn't it? And and that was you. But when you got born again, you didn't really want to wallow in the mud. Now you're like a cat. When that nastiness comes, hey, have you ever thrown a cat in the mud? No, don't tell it because there's people here to report you to Peter right now. But I'm just saying... <laughs> literally, what would happen if you threw a cat in the mud? They'd be like Jesus. They'd walk on water. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, you get a cat in the mud, like, oh, right. A pig's going to wallow in it. So when we get born again, we now have a cat nature that desires to be pure. If you didn't get a nature that desired purity and desired God and desired to walk with God, you probably didn't get born again. You got religion, not a relationship. When you get born again, you desire God. You got a brand new, he killed your old self and gave you a brand new self that is heaven bound. And it's just now, he gives us the chance to to become as much heaven bound as we want. But one day, dude, man, boom, we're in heaven. We're perfect. We've got a cat nature. But how many of y'all lost your pig body when you got saved? No, we got a brand new nature to worship and serve him and love him and desire him, which he didn't come in the world with but we kept our old pig body. So man, in your old pig body, every once in a while, it, when, when, you're, when, when you're walking down the wrong path, when you're going the wrong way, is there a temptation to wallow in the mud? Yeah, to get in a fight with that person, to, get in an ar- to, to be selfish, to be not selfless, to, to all these different things, to, be, to worry. How about y'all are saying, well, I'm not selfish. How about y'all worriers, man? That's going down this path. When you, when you start worrying, you are using that pig nature. And, and how many of y'all, when you worry, you're like, oh, I shouldn't be worrying. Oh, it's, I shouldn't be. That's that fight that we have inside. You're a cat nature with a pig body. So what I'm saying and what it really is kind of fascinating that when you study scripture and you get born again, he kills the old man. The old man is dead. He doesn't take your old self and remodel it and make it better. He kills it. You go study scripture for yourself and believe what I'm saying now, but go study it and you'll see it in here too. As I get into scripture, I promise I will get into scripture here. But he kills the old man. The old man's dead and you're a brand new person. When you're following God, do you encounter that old man? You can encounter all the old men. No, what ends up happening is when you start walking the wrong direction all of a sudden, man, your old man is coming up and your old man wants to hang out with you. You know, have you ever really just sat there and had thoughts and desires and things that you used to have that were like, "Ooh, man, it, it, this is now I, I can't do this. What are you supposed to do with the old man when the old man encounters you? Are you supposed to be cordial and be like, "All right, pal, you know what? Now, nah, we're just going to No, you punch the old man in the face. You push him off and you say, "What? get out of here, because isn't that how temptation starts? Just a little teeny, oh, just hang out, just do this, just, mm. I'm going to go the total, uh, like, extreme on this. I have had my share, I came from a background of drug and alcohol abuse, and I've I have had my share of being with people in that. And man, I have been with people when they've been clean for two years, three years, four years, five years. And then a buddy gets out of jail and shows up on New Year's. And like, they just, man, they've quit, they've quit, they've quit. And all of a sudden they're visited by the old man and that one time say, yeah, I'm gonna do this. And then the consequences of it. I'm gonna tell you, if you got any kind of addiction, even if your addiction's eating or worrying or anything like that, the hard part ain't quitting. You know what the hard part is? Hey, Barb, what's the hard part? It's not quitting, it's not starting again. Praise God. How long have you been without smoking now? You and 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 how did I do that on your own? It didn't work and it worked because you did it with who? Yeah, with God's power and God's strength. And again, you smoke. I'm not like bad the reason you need to quit smoking is if God tells you to quit smoking. Uh, Same way if God tells you to quit scrapping with people, quit arguing with people, quit fighting with people, quit worrying. The reason you need to stop those things is because God says to, but the old man shows himself up and you have to say, get out of here. Go, get away from me. But where we encounter the old man the most is when we are walking away from God. Now, If you're walking away from God and you're encountering the old man, which way should you? What should you do next? Hey, Captain Mac, what should you do next? If you're walking away from God? Yeah, turn. Does anybody know what that R word that has an E and a P and T? What is it? What is it, Marissa? Repent. That nasty word. No, repent, repent. No, you know what repent means? Repent means you're walking the wrong way. Turn back to God. And just start walking towards him. And now there will be plenty of things to embrace. And you won't be, you won't be just sitting there, oh, I got to resist this, I got to resist. You'll be so busy doing the good thing, you won't have time for the wrong thing. And you won't be having to say, oh man, get out of here. You'll be now embracing. Instead of eradicating your old nature, you're going to be embracing your new nature. And that's where we're at in this passage. So let me get a scripture here. I just want you to know that when you get born again, Rick, what what, uh, what happens to your old nature? It's dead. It is dead. It is dead. It is dead. It is dead. But it keeps wanting to come back to life, and it it'll come as back to as much life as you allow it. God has killed it. In fact, listen, man. Here's where I want to give you an illustration. In ancient Rome. One of the penalties when you committed murder, think about this. Nate, come here. It's going to get kind of personal, man. (laughs) All right. So I killed Nate. All right. If I killed Nate and he's dead, all right, you still stand. You know what my penalty was on some occasions? If I killed Nate and they had the body and they could prove it. Don't think nothing wrong about this. Nate, stretch out right there. They would literally tie me to the dead body face to face, face to face. Can you imagine being tied to the dead body face to face and it's dead? So what's going to happen to this body? Hey, Devin, what's going to happen to this body? Woo, yeah, that's the first thing you're thinking. And uh, yeah, yeah, forget your deodorant, bro. And your breath, dude. Keone was the other day, I want pirate teeth. And I'm like, no, you don't, dude. (laughs) He's like, why does Jack Sparrow always get in people's face and they back off? Because he's got pirate teeth. I'm just saying. You imagine this dead body dying, being tied to you. What would be your whole goal in life, Nate, if you were tied to a dead body? To get free from it. Yeah, that's what salvation is, getting free from the dead body you're tied to. And and so now you're free from it and it's laying there again. Do you really want to go visit it and go lay back down and get tied to it and walk around with it again? What would you say? Get off. I mean, again, that's this fallacy. That's the problem. We get saved. Yeah, go ahead, Nate. That's fine. (laughs) Come here, Nate, man. No, I'm messing with you. (laughs) That, that's what happens. We die to a, we die, our old self dies, and then we go revisit it. But, but man, God killed our old man, and we want to be tied back to it again. Is there anybody, you know, Jack, can you imagine a smelly old boar hog dude? You know? I mean, you're glad when you drop that big old nasty boar hog and whatever, if you drop him quick you can get him in the freezer, but we'll talk about that later. but I mean, do you, are there any pictures of you in your little leopard skin bikini taking pictures on a slimy, nasty boar hog? You know, like oh, any for Jack? There's probably ones you little jacket. No, but but yeah, it's just nasty. Why would I want to be there? Why would I want to be part of that? But that's what it's like when the old man comes to visit again. I want you to vision that the old dead man, full of sin and trouble, wants to visit, and you're saying, "I want to be tied back up." Instead, what is it you got to say? get off Because how many of you as a believer have found yourself tied back to the old man again? Anyone? Charlie, you ever found yourself tied to the old man again? And you got to say get off. That's the first step. Is get off and he's going to tell us how to do it and you're going to like this cuz part of it's by renewing your mind, which is awesome. Hey, hang on one second. Judy is going to leave. I make some secret Jamaican seasoning spice and Judy there it is, finally. All right, good. <laughs> All right, I had to make sure you got that because you're taking off. If you open it, everybody in here would smell it right now, so don't do that. All right, so let's take a look at what scripture says in here eradicate the old man. Uh, I promised I'm going to get to scripture. Eradicate. What is a eradi- What's the difference between hunting and eradicating, Jack? You're wiping them all out. Yeah, exactly. You, uh, there's a hog problem. Y'all know there's a hog problem? Uh, there's a hog problem. Basically, there's hogs everywhere, all right? And when people go by that little pristine lot in the middle of the woods, Jack, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Because you know what they do? They put sod, they put irrigation, they put mulch. You know what that's like? That's like taking a donut and putting it on an anthill, I don't care if there's all land. Dude, as soon as you put sod, mulch, and, all, and irrigation, dude, the hogs are all over it. And people are like, hey, can you? Now, they know I take hogs out. Okay, and I eat them unless I'm eradicating. That's why I don't really like eradicating that. I like eradicating old man. So they'll be like, oh, hey, we have a hog problem. Can you take care of the hog problem for us? I'm like, yeah, Tom, we can take care of the hog problem. And, 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 and they're, like, they're like, all right, so, so what are you going to do? Are you just going to kind of like Pied like Piper pipe blow a whistle, and they're going to follow you? And go, no. Can you trap them? Can you do something? No. Oh, that you got to use a gun? You got to use a gun to take them out? No, no, we love animals and we don't want you to shoot them. We don't want you to hurt these hogs. We just want you to get rid of them. I'm like, all right, there's only one way to get rid of them. Like the old man, there's only one way to get rid of them. You got to eradicate them. You can't just pick what things you want gone. You got to get rid of all of it. And so with the hogs, You got to eradicate it. And they're like, yeah, we don't really want to use guns and all that's nasty and whatever. And I'm like, all right, cool. Guess what happens in about a week when they've gone through all their new sod and gone through their petunias and all of their landscaping that they bought? Yep. The pigs came and ate all the donuts off the anthills. I'm just saying they came in and all of a sudden they're like, bring B-52 bombers, whatever you got to do, because now the consequences are so devastating. They don't care what you do to get rid of them. That's why I'm using the word eradicate, the old man. I'm using the word eradicate because when the old man shows up, that's what you gotta do. It's not like, all right, see you later. Please don't come by. Here, punch you in the nose, dear. Is that enough? Don't no, you gotta kill the old man. And what he says is, crucify the flesh. Crucify is like a guillotine. We wear a little cross around our neck as a symbol. You know, literally, if you wanted to take it more literal, I didn't, I know they didn't have guillotines, but can you imagine if our symbol now was, we're a guillotine around our neck? Cross means death. That's what it was, a torture instrument. It it means death. What it means take up your cross, it means be willing to die to yourself. Kill that old man every time he shows up. So eradicate the old man. We got to get rid of him. Did I make that clear today? We got to get totally rid of him. We can't live side by side with him. And if you don't, he will make your heart hard. Take a look at this. Now we're in scripture here. It says, now this I say, this is Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. He said, now this I say, and I testify in the Lord. And so he's saying, this is from God. So what I'm sharing with you is not my opinion. It's not, it's what God has given the Apostle Paul and what God has given me through the Apostle Paul to give you. And he first had to give it to me. So I'm the one who has, even though my love language is embracing and loving and dude, I got to find a time when the old man's there. I got to say, what, what do I have to say? Get out of here. So now I say and testify in the Lord. And this is what he says. Okay. Remember you came in the world, walking away from God. At some point you're born again, you're walking towards God, but there's times we turn and turn. He said, he said, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles. And that word Gentile is a word used for anybody who doesn't believe God. You can go through all the transliterations, whatever. It just simply means it's heathens in some Bibles and so on, but it's somebody who's not walking with God. Somebody not believing in God. Their desire is not for God. They've never been born again. All they know is this side of the path. They may hear about things, but they have no experiential knowledge about the other side of the path. So he says, you must no longer walk as those people walking in this side of the path uh, do. In the futility of their mind. Futility. What are some things that are futile? How about dusting? Is dusting futile? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Making your bed is futile. I mean, you're just going to mess it up, right? No, I, I'm, I'm joking on that. Futile, when I was thinking of futility, uh, it's funny, J.J. brought the whole thing up with Solomon because he said life is vanity. I'm thinking of soap bubbles, man. How many of y'all, when you were kids, you blew soap bubbles? Anybody like soap? How many of y'all's adults blow soap bubbles? You find kids just so you can blow soap bubbles, you know? And when you blow a soap bubble, what does everybody do when you blow a soap bubble? What do you do? Uh, Yeah, but what do you got to do first, Holly, before you can pop it? Dude, the wind's caught it; it's floating. What are you doing? You are running. You ever chase a soap bubble, bro? Come on, man. You remember, and and, uh, Gary, are we looking at where we're going when we're chasing a soap bubble? What are our eyes focused on? Because we know that when we catch that soap bubble, we know without a shadow of a doubt that we will catch it. We will put it in a soap bubble cage, and we will feed it glycerin and soap, and we will keep it living. How many of y'all have soap bubbles right now in captivity that you caught as a child? What? What happened when you caught it? popped. Every single one of them. But yet, as we were chasing soap bubbles, right, Rose? As we're chasing them, I don't see this chair. Oh! I don't see this person I run over. I don't see, I'm just chasing it. My goal is, I don't care who I run over, what I get, as long as I get soap bubble. But as soon as you get it, Steve, what happens? That's what he says. The world, those who don't know Christ, are chasing something that when they catch it, if they even catch it, it is futile. It is worth nothing. You want to hear another futile thing I was thinking about uh, right here is beach renourishment. <laughs> That's futile, man. Chuck, how many times have we been out there and, and we're watching the, the, the tankers or whatever, the barges just kind and I, I'd be saying, dude, if they would just put dollar bills on the beach, I could swim out after them when they get sucked out. And so, yeah, when you guys move here right away, you're like, oh, my condo. Oh, yeah, whatever you have to do, dump dirt on the beach. The next year, you're saying, didn't we do that last year? And the third year, you're like, what? I'm not doing this again. The government says, yeah, you are, because everybody who just moved here wants to do it. It's futile. You put it, and, it, and plus, you all ruined the beach, man. <laughs> These used to be white Costa Rican sand beaches. They're, it used to not phew, drop off except certain places. It used to be beautiful. It used to, now the beach sand here looks like the the, the uh, ashes in an urn <laughs> that's all ground up. It's not sand. Go up. Don't, I'm not going to tell you where there's good sand. You all got to find that yourself. But because you'll just change it up there. I'm just saying it's it's futile. So what is futility? Futility is putting a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of work, a lot of resource into something that's going to accomplish what, destiny? Absolutely nothing. Anything that you do that is not for the glory of God is not going to last. It's not going to last. And anything you do that is worthwhile, if you can do it for the glory of God, that will last for eternity. So he says, I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles, the people who are walking away from God do. It's, it, it, and don't follow them in the futility of their mind. They've got a lot of thinking, a lot of busy activity, a lot of a lot of things. Are there not a lot of things going on in the world right now? Is it, do we, we live in one of those busy p- places in the universe. There's stuff that's just going on. It, it's busy everywhere. But what's being really accomplished? And all that really is what's accomplished for the kingdom as far as God is concerned. And when it's all said and done, what's... Hey, Brad, when it's all said and done, what's the only thing that's left? Oh, wait, wait. I got somebody over here that has an answer for me always. Hey, Gavin, when it's all said and done, what's the only thing that's left? God. Yeah, if you ever get asked a question and you were sleeping and don't know, just say, God. All right. I know the like lights on, nobody home look. I got it. I'd be doing the same thing if I were y'all. But you know what? Y'all are accountable. Whatever I'm saying, I'm pretty much sure God wants y'all to hear. And you got to do something with it. And you're like, well, God, I didn't hear it because I was like thinking about. anyways, all right, that's between you and him, not me. I just got to do my part. All right. So he said, man, when you're walking in this way with them, it's you're following their futility in mind. They're, they got a lot of activities a lot of things going on but they're going to accomplish absolutely nothing. And do you understand you have a higher calling? I mean, you work for the king. You work for his kingdom that is going to last forever and ever and ever. Next thing that happens in the uh, I'm a pre-trip guy. So la- next thing that's going to happen is Jesus is coming back for us. Anybody here believe that? Yeah. He's coming back for us. What has to happen prophetically for for him to come back? Absolutely nothing. He could do it right now. Some of y'all are praying, Lord, it's getting close to 11. Please come with the rapture and rescue us. (laughs) Literally, he could come back right now nothing's stopping them. And when he comes back, those of us who are believers are going to heaven and we will be in a seven-year marriage supper of the Lamb. We will be at the most awesome wedding you have ever been a part of. You want to talk about food trucks, Roger? I don't even know, man, them angels probably can cook, but I'm just saying there's food trucks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What I'm saying, man, it's going to be the most awesome wedding. And, And who's the groom? No, the groom. He is. And who's the bride? We are. Man, we're going to be beautiful. Because you ain't never seen an ugly bride, have you? I'm just saying. He, Man, we're the bride. And he's the groom. And for seven years, dude, we're going to be in a wedding celebration with him. But what's happening on this earth at that time, he said there's going to be destruction and devastation like you have never seen. For two reasons. One, To get the attention of the Jews and the Jewish nation so that they will actually come back to their Messiah and they they will be tricked by an Antichrist, and then they will then be in such devastation that when the true Messiah comes, they will be jumping at him and and they will accept him, and God will be able to finish his plan with the Jews. But it's also at a time when countless numbers of people are gonna get saved. But it's another time that is punishment for all of those who rejected his gift of love for us of Him being our Savior, making a way for us to come to heaven. At the end of that th- seven and a half, seven years, what happens, guys? Who comes back? Christ comes back, and He basically puts everything in His place, and anything that's left that's righteous now goes into the millennial kingdom, which is a thousand-year r- redo on this earth. Without, and we have glorified bodies. How many of y'all are looking? And you looking forward to a glorified body? Yeah! Uh, somebody asked me the other day, they're like, Hey, so people have been cremated or, you know, you know, is that okay? Because how's God going to make a body? I'm thinking, dude, same way he did with someone who got torn apart by a shark. You go dig up a graveyard right now. There ain't much of that body left. God, uh, when he makes that new body, I don't think he needs any of the old ingredients except the soul. Amen. So you're like, wow, am I going to have the body I did as a teenager? As a No, I don't. Dude, it's going to be brand spanking new and it's glorified. And we're going to be living and serving with him for a thousand years until all of that finishes. And then there's a final great white throne, and we go to heaven and, or hell, whoever, whether you have Christ, you go to heaven, anybody without Christ goes to hell, and it's that way forever. So how many of y'all have Christ? Dude, so this is your future. This is your calling. Why are you walking down this path, chasing soap bubbles, re-nourishing the beach that's going to get sucked back out all the time? Man, be careful of what you fight for. Make sure it's for something eternal. So he says, now this I say in testify in the Lord, you must no longer walk as these people do in futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. This sounds harsh, doesn't it? But I'm going to explain it from the backwards up, from the bottom up. He says, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. So here's what happens at some point there was some sort of softness. You realize there's a God, you realize there's something, and and maybe even God just floored you and gave you the desire to, you know, to really just believe him and you rejected it. Whatever it was, bottom line, maybe God knew you weren't going to accept it. And he didn't want to give you any more judgment by giving you any more desire. But the point is, is that at some point you decided, and and I will say this, because we're studying this in our Wednesday night with Pharaoh and God hardening his heart and Pharaoh hardening his heart, and all these things, Pharaoh's heart hardened. God will never harden your heart against your will. If God hardens your heart, it's because he just gives you up to what you want. He just gives you up to your own desires to keep your heart hard. But man, how many of y'all have had your heart softened by God? Isn't that awesome? And so what happens is somebody who doesn't accept that softening, and their heart is hard, okay? If their heart is hard, then it stays hard. There's nothing to soften it. And so what happens is if your heart is hard, all you know is this path here. You don't know God's side. Because again, in John chapter 3, when he talks about being born again, he says, Nicodemus, you you can't understand the kingdom of God without being born again. You can't get into the kingdom of God without being born again. (coughs) You have no comprehension, no clue until you're born again. That's why when the world says, Hey, prove it to me, God, and then I'll believe in you. God says, no, no, you believe in me, then I'll prove it to you. How many of y'all had God prove it to you because you believed? Yeah, moment by moment. If you're waiting for him to prove it to you, he's already given you plenty of evidence. Quit hardening your heart. So he said, man, they harden their heart. So when they harden their heart, now they're ignorant to God's ways, because you can't understand the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You can't get into the kingdom of God unless you're born again. But once you are and you surrender to that, you can have it all. You can have that. So he says they're uh, they're ignorant to it. Look what it says. They are darkened in their understanding. What that means? God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. The world's dark, so it means all they know is dark. But the world says. But it looks light to me because that's all they know. Hey, do fish know they're wet? <laughs> no. <laughs> and if all you know is the world of darkness, because even Paul said in Corinthians, he said, the gospel is foolishness to them who don't believe. How many of y'all remember when the gospel of Jesus Christ was foolishness? I told you, man, I met those young lifers from Flagler College, and or, or I met a, a relig- and I was telling them, I said, man, when y'all were trying to preach to me 40 years ago in college, I thought y'all were idiots. It was foolishness to me until God made it make sense. And it might not make sense to anybody else, but it makes sense to me. He gave me that desire and ability. So, so they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. Why? Because God's mean? No, because they harden their heart. God was trying to bring them into the kingdom and their pride kept them from getting into the kingdom. So I so says they're darkened in their understanding. They only understand the darkness like the whole world and they think that's light. Uh, because of the ignorance that's in them due to their hardness of heart, they have become calloused. And we have the ability for that to happen too. Yeah, calloused. Hey, Terry, what happens when you pick up a shovel and, you got, and you've been working on a computer your whole life? Yeah, you're out there doing some spring cleaning yard work. You get some blisters. Yeah. When God starts rubbing you raw as a non-believer and starts exposing who you really are, And the fact that you have been overestimating how good you are and underestimating how bad you are. And he really reveals to you who you are in light of a righteous, holy, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. That's blisters. It's ripped open. And what does God want you to do? He wants you to surrender to him and say, I give up, God. but, But yet, man, we still take that shovel and we're still digging. We're still digging because what do the blisters turn into? Yeah, God says, hey, give me the shovel. Let me dig surrender. You see that? Surrender to me. But you're like, no, I got to do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make my way. I'm going to do my thing. And as you keep digging, those blisters turn into calluses. And let me ask you a question. Does the shovel hurt anymore? No, man. You ever ever shake somebody's hand? You know what they do for a living, right? I'm saying that both ways. Yeah. And, 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 And so again, if we reject God's conviction and reject it and reject it, We get calluses. And he's saying the lost in this, he says they have become calloused and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. So when you come back over here, you have a new calling. You're walking this way. But when you, for some reason, start walking back this way, you meet your old man. How many of y'all before you got saved? We're into sensuality, meaning that you were into whatever made your senses feel good. Yeah. Now you should be into whatever God wants you to do. And you have that joy, peace, love, patience, goodness. And there's going to be some things that feel good in your body, too. I will tell you that. But you're not living for that. You're not living for the sensation. How many of y'all before you got saved were greedy? It was all about you. How many of y'all are still greedy? No, I'm just joking. But we, we still, we're, we're working on that, right? But here, it's all about greed. What can I get? What can I do? And every kind of impurity. And what I'm going to tell you, if you can live that way without any conviction, you're calloused. And chances are, you may not even be saved. If you can sin and not have conviction where the Holy Spirit is saying that's wrong, you're either really calloused or you might not be saved. And you should check that out. Because when get saved, we have a desire for him. Our new man does. So here we are. We get ourselves tied back up to that old man again. Roger, ever get tied back up to the old man again? Dude, and he stinks, doesn't he? He's rotten, isn't he? He's putrid. And and when you find yourself tied to the old man, do you find a way to like exist, get air fresheners for your nose and body spray? And no, what are you supposed to do with the old man when you recognize he's dominating your life again? What are you supposed to say? Get Get off of me. Well, it's funny how long us Christians put up with that. And it's us, it's our old self wanting those, that sensuality, the greed, the impurity. And that's not what God has designed us for. So instead, you got to eradicate the old man. But now from this point on, and then what we look at next week, he's going to talk about embracing the new man. And that's what keeps your heart soft. A couple verses and we'll be done. So look at this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, 24 but that is not the way you learned Christ. (laughs) Not the way you learned about Christ, but that's not the way you learned Christ. Hey, when did you learn who Christ was? Anybody? Help me out. When did you learn who Christ was? How about when he came in you? When you got saved? It's one thing to know about Christ. It's another thing to know Christ and have that intimacy. So he said, that's not the way you learned Christ. When you came to Christ, man, you came all or nothing, man. You remember that, Mary? That's what you're symbolizing when you get baptized, right? Mary is going to be standing in the water, right? And so when she's standing in the water, that looks like a what? Like a cross. Uh, for those of you who come all the time, you know this, all right? We go over this all the time. In fact, if you know it's so good, raise your hand. Let me, tell, let me have you preach it. Come on, somebody. No, uh, literally, I'd like you to be able to do that. But it's a cross. When I take you under the water, it symbolizes Jesus' what? Death and burial. and was buried to pay for our sins. And aren't you glad it didn't end there, Mary? Because we would leave you there and that would just be a one-hit wonder, the baptism, right? But instead, what do I get to do? Oh, I am going to get to baptize you, right? Okay, good, good, good. I didn't didn't even clarify that. I know I'm going to be there, but I I get to lift you back up and that represents what that Jesus did. He rose from the dead. So you symbolize that, but it symbolizes you, Mary, of dying to be in the boss of your life. I don't want to be this old man anymore. I want this new life in Christ And so I'm dying to my own desires, my own sensuality, my own greed, my own impurities. I'm dying to live for Christ. That's what baptism is saying. And then I bring you back up again, and it represents the fact that you get to now do it in his resurrection power, not in your own strength, but in his power. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. He said, that's what he meant when he said, that's not the way you learned Christ. You gave him your life. Look at this. I assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, not about him, but in him. You don't actually learn until you're in there, right? Hey, somebody's calling me. This is always fun in church, right? Let's do this. Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, hello. I'm sorry, we are like right in the middle of church right now, and uh, oh, who knows when it's over, dude, when the Holy Spirit is <laughs> done, I promise. This is like a real, she just asked, uh, uh, no, it, it's, it's, it'll be over, I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know until God tells us, usually it's like 11, 11.30, something like that, but. um, Well, how far away are you? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, probably. We're probably going to be done in about 15, 20 minutes, but man, I would love get, I'm going to call you back after service. Okay. All right. And then we'll talk about other opportunities right on. All right. All right. Bye-bye. I don't know. Was that an accident? I don't, I, I don't, she want anyways. <laughs> Just so you guys probably know, we'll be done when God's done here. But I think he's going to be done. This is probably going to be the shortest service we've ever had. Some of y'all are like, what? It's already gone. Like, <laughs> Anyways, let's just move on. <laughs> so he says, he says, I assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him because you don't learn by studying. Chuck, I'm going to pick on you again, man. Not, not, I'm just going to ask questions. Surfing. How many people know everything about surfing because they know everything about a board? They've read everything in the magazines. They've watched every video, but they've never got wet. <laughs> Do they know what you don't know about surfing until what happens? Till you surf, right? It's like anything else. You can have all this knowledge about all these things, but man, you don't know what it is until you're actually in it and you've experienced it. That's what he's talking about. So you can't learn Christ. Christ doesn't go from your head to your heart. He goes from your heart to your head. He you say, God, I just give it all to you and I have no clue what's next. How many of y'all as believers have no clue what's next? That, that's why it requires faith. That's what he's pleased with. He wants us. If you think you have a clue what's next, you're probably wrong and you're probably walking in the wrong direction. Because if you've got it all that planned out, forget the whole give me this day my daily bread thing. So anyways, he says, "I'm assuming that you have heard um, were taught in him by experience, by walking with him as the truth, in who so if the truth's in him, the truth is not in anywhere else. He's the truth he said, i he's the one who made this exclusive. he said, I'm the truth, I'm the what? yeah I'm, I'm what and what else is he? And he said, No one can come to me except." or come to the Father except through me. There's one way to him according to Christ. So he's either a lunatic, he's a liar, or he's Lord. (laughs) And that's not original. I think Josh McDowell wrote a book about that And More Than a Carpenter. He's the one who said all of this. He said, man, this path, this is futile. None of it's going to last. Come on to my path, and, and you will experience And instead of trying to always eradicate the old man, wouldn't it be better to get on the right and be embracing the new man? That's the whole idea. Put yourself in a position where you're not always dealing with the old man. You're experiencing now and embracing the new man. He says, the truth in Jesus to put, what did he say? To put off the what? The old man. You know what that means? That means when you encounter the old man, what do you say again? get off of me. You're not being cordial. You're not like hanging out. Literally, it's that. he Paul says, crucify the flesh. When you encounter your old self, you've got to vehemently get it off of you. you got to eradicate it. You're not hunting it saying, well, I'll get rid of it." It's not like, oh, here's a, here's a 10 point thing I want to get out of my life. Bam. Oh, that's just a little scrap. We'll let that one live till it gets bigger. Right? No, boom, 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 boom. We're taking it all out every time we see the old man. We kill him. We crucify him. We put him off. And that alerts us to the fact we're on the wrong path. We turn, which is what repent means. And we're walking back towards God. So he says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. And it is corrupt. Corruption is talking about rust, right? It's rust. It's rust. Yeah, I mean, you live on a sailboat, right? Do you have stuff that rusts on your sailboat? Yeah. Do you have tools and things? You know, if one day you didn't, you just you were working on something, you left your tools out on the deck. They would rust faster than that, right. But one day you're like out there and your tools are out there on the deck. And you're like, yeah, I got too much to do. I'll pick them up tomorrow. And then they sit out there a week. Did they rust the moment you left them out there? Almost. <laughs> In a week, yeah, dude. They're corrupt. You can't even pull the pliers apart. That's what the word corruption means. In fact, Solomon even said, "Because consequences to sin don't come immediately, man continues to sin. If it rusted immediately, like, oh, let's put this away. It's going to rust. It's corruption. Same thing with a surfboard ding, Gary. Right? Surfboard ding. You got a, a veil. if you don't patch it. If you don't patch it, water gets in, and and immediately you can still ride it that day. Right? You can still go. But what happens in a week? It Oil oh, gets heavy, and then it starts delaminating. And all of a sudden, what happened? Well, what happened is when the old man showed up, you didn't say, get out of here. Instead, you lived with the old man for a while. You didn't turn and do the right thing. So put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. It's corruption through deceitful desires, things that the world wants you to think are great, but God says they're not. And what God says is the truth, that's what's going to last. He said, and look at this, Charlie, I know you're going to like this part. And be what? Renewed in the spirit of your what? Mind. How many of y'all know the battlefield between God and the devil is your mind? (laughs) That's why we are to renew our mind. Kevin and Kristen over there, man, you renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? You spray it with W, you know? Like y'all do them airplanes? Isn't that all y'all use duct tape and WD-40, right? That's pretty much it. That's all it's needed on the DC-3s. But how do you renew your mind? Yeah, digging into the Word. That's what I love so much about Mondays and Wednesdays and Tuesdays with Captain Mac and Thursdays with Marissa and the Kennebrews and all the... Zane and... and JJ wasn't joking, dude. Y'all come to Bible study at Zane. Bring your sleeping bag too. You you just might need it, but... It's going to be worth it, dude. You just hang out as fellowship and the word of God is deep, man. Canterbury and, and Emily's got Bible study on Monday on, on sun, Saturdays. I'm sorry. And one of those days you can talk to her, but it's where you get a chance to renew your mind. Somebody once said you can change your stinking thinking, I guess it was. You change the way you think. You renew your mind to see how God wants you to think because you're, you're, you're in this world we live in, our mind gets twisted and gets deceived, is what he said. So be renewed in the spirit of your mind. When JJ's talking about reading through the word of God in a year, I'm not saying you have to do it in a year, but you need to be in it. You need to be in it. It's not so you can like at the end of the year, check it off, say, all right, God, bless me. I just read the whole word of God. No, you should have been blessed as you're reading it. That's why we read it, not so we can have some accomplishment to God, but so that's our soul food, man. How many of y'all are hungry right now? How many are like, dude, we need to go eat lunch? (laughs) In fact, we're going to start a union right now in this congregation and we're going to vote and we're going to lunch. How many of y'all are hungry right now? Come on, be on. You guys don't eat then. You guys aren't hungry? You're good? You had a big breakfast? (laughs) I'm just messing with you. But yeah, can you imagine? not eating for the rest of the day. How many of y'all would be like, how many of y'all have people in your life that need to eat when they're hungry and not when they're starving? Yeah. Ashley, you need to eat when you're, when you're, when you're hungry, right? Because when you're starving, what happens? Yeah. Your whole perception of life changes, right? Now, can you imagine not eating for a couple of, oh, I think I'm only going to eat on Sunday morning. <laughs> no, dude, you'd be miserable. You'd be weak. Your, your, uh, your immune system would be messed up and every disease in the world could take over your body. Same thing spiritually. You've got to eat soul food. When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness for 30 days, man, devil came up to him and said, yeah, you must be hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days. You've been fasting. And make these stones bread if you're really the son of God. And what did he answer and say? Man doesn't live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So if he's got to live by that, what makes you think you don't? We've got to be in it. We're almost done. It says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on, what are we supposed to put on? The new self. So when you encounter the old self, what do you say? Get off. And if you just say get off and you're right there, what's going to happen? It's coming right back again. Get off. If you really want to be left alone, what do you got to do? Yeah, you got to go somewhere else. So the other place to go is here. And that's where he says, put on the new self. Next week, we go into a whole list of ways to do that. But for today, we look at this part. And he says, this new self was created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, not worldly manufactured righteousness and holiness and karma and all kinds of stuff, but true righteousness and holiness. God designed us and wants us Pure. It's the real deal, Terry. You're both y'all. You guys are. You guys are engineers, right? All right. This is a tough engineering question right here. I hope you guys are ready. Rose, bail them out if they don't, All right. What? Yeah, yeah. Ro, Ro, it is Rose, right? Yeah, because I'm doing your wedding. Your mom said I was. But anyways, it's it's years off. You're not, they don't have you lined up with anybody yet. I don't think. But anyways, tough engineering question here. Every one of us has one. There's this little door we pull open and it's goes to a gas tank i don't even know why they call it a gas tank but it's tank what do we put in that gas tank huh yeah we put gas yeah we put fuel okay that what they call it in minnesota we call it gas here but well, gas can be a lot of things a generic term but <clears throat> yeah fuel we put that in there right how many of y'all are just getting a little bit tired of paying that much for gas right now anybody so, what if, Mr. Engineer, what if we were to cut that gas? What if instead of just putting pure gas in, what if we mixed it half and half with water? I think, I, stay with me, guys. Stay with me. All right. I'm not a mechanic and I didn't sleep at Holiday Inn last night, but just stick with me, Mr. Engineer. So, we mix it halfway with water. Is it still going to smell like gas? Yeah. If you tasted it, you know, for those of you who ever sucked gas out of somebody's gas tank for whatever reason that was and put it in another one, (laughs) how many of y'all ever did that? (laughs) And I don't even wanna know why, all right? (laughs) You're the reason I have a lock on my gas can. No, I'm just joking. But if we were to get some in our mouth, would it still taste like gas? Oh, it tastes just like gas, right? If we were to look at it in a bottle, hey, Barb, would it still look like gas? So it looks like gas, it tastes like gas, it smells like gas. So wouldn't that not be a great idea? And we can now cut the price of gas in half. Isn't that, that sound like a genius idea, y'all? Why, what's the problem? What's the problem, Mr. Engineer? Yeah, do you think it would get me out of the driveway? Yeah, it would maybe get me out of the driveway, but how many of y'all think I would break down in the most inopportune time? And then after breaking down to the most inopportune time, now I have repair bills. Doesn't that sound like the world? Doesn't it sound like the world when they want to take what God has designed and come up with their own form of righteousness and purity and and goodness? And, And guess what? It gets you out of the driveway, but it doesn't get you down the road. It breaks up. That's what happened to marriages, even Christians who aren't doing it God's way. It, break, it breaks down in the most inopportune time, and it costs you. And sometimes, hey, can all cars be fixed? I mean, can you just repair a couple parts and and, and, and fix a, a, a tank? Hey, Bob, you're a mechanic. How bad, would that ha- how bad would that be? And what if diesel, man? Diesel got really expensive. I just started putting half gas and half water into diesel. <laughs> Why are you shaking your head, bro? That would be almost irreparable, wouldn't it? And that's what happens when we try to pull off substitutes. That's why we push off the old man who's trying to sell us a substitute that sounds like a good deal. And we come to the new man and we embrace the new man and find out what God wants us to do. And we faithfully do that because he's going to lead us in true righteousness and true holiness. So eradicate the old man because he's going to make your heart hard. The old man is going to make your heart hard. The more you live over here doing what your old man wanted to do, the harder your heart will be. You find yourself in this position, repent, turn back to the new man and embrace that new man with everything you've got. Hold on to him and don't let him go, man. Embrace the new man and your heart will stay soft and it will get softer. And that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, I'm coming in the name of Jesus. And um, I'm grateful to know that when I come in the name of Jesus, that I know that I can do that because you gave me the desire and ability to surrender everything I knew about myself at some point to everything I know about you. And Father, I'm grateful that for so many of my brothers and sisters, everybody I hope that's in here has done that. Father, that they've accepted that desire and It's pretty awesome to think that when I bow my head that you give me faith to know that I'm talking to the one that sets the boundaries on the sea, the one that controls the orbit of every giant planet that's even bigger than our earth, the one that holds together every little atom, because Lord knows if those atoms started splitting, we'd have a mess. And Father, um, I'm just grateful to know that I can talk to you and you give me faith to know that you are listening. In fact, you are looking down on us with joy because we're your bride. We're the bride. And Father, we want from the time of today, with the time we've been born again, the time you come back, we want to be more beautiful of a bride. Father, help us, Father, to cast off that old man. Father, sometimes we're too kind. Sometimes we let that old man stick around. Sometimes it's because we actually like it for a season until the consequences hit. But father, help us to take Paul's advice and tell him to get out, to get away from us. Father, help us to run away from the old man. When we see that shine, springing up in our life and help us to be able to embrace the new man, show us the new man, show us how to embrace you. And father, um, uh, just can't wait till we get to heaven and we can embrace you full time. And we get to be perfected and be with perfect people in a perfect place. But again, until that time, Father, I just pray that we would push off that old man and embrace the new man. As we come back again next week, Father, Father, I can't wait to see the practical ways to be able to do that. But Father, if there's someone who has never made the turn, someone who's never given their life to Christ, or they're not sure, because, Father, if I was driving around in a city I'm not familiar with and I didn't know where I was, I'd be considered lost. So, Father, if someone doesn't know whether they're going to heaven, they don't know where they are in this spiritual realm. They're not positive of going to heaven when, they're di- when they die. Help us see that that's kind of lost. But you tell us in your word that if we realize we're a sinner and we're hopeless and our only hope is found in you and what you did on the cross for us, And you give us the ability to believe that when you died on the cross, you paid for our sins. And if we will believe in you, we can have eternal life. And that word believe means to put all our faith and trust in you. Father, if there's someone who needs to do that today, Father, give them a desire they can't refuse. Father, the devil's in their head trying to tell them, well, you don't know what's next. You don't know what's going on. Father, encourage them to know that none of us know what's next, but that's the beauty of faith. We know the one that does and we're pretty stoked to be a part of it. So father, I pray that for each of us, wherever we are in this process of casting off the old man and embracing this new man, father, I pray you would take us where we need to be through faith. Thank you for loving us and loving us too much to leave us where we are on our own. And, um, loving us enough to take us where you want us to be which is an eternity with you father i think one more thing about i got probably 100 grains of beach sand on my feet right now and if each one of those grains represented one year life that would be a long life on this planet but eternity is not even close to the rest of the sand on all the other beaches on this planet but father help us live for that and not that little bit of dirt that's on our feet. Help us surrender everything we know about ourselves, everything we know about you, and cast off the old man and embrace with everything we have the new man. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.